Take out your Bibles, John chapter 2, and we'll begin in verse 18, reading this morning. The title of the message is The Fickle Crowd. And the word fickle is kind of a funny word to me. It, re- it rhymes with tickle. <laughs> but the fickle crowd means you can't trust them. One day they're one way, another day they're another way. And I'm just going to bring up this morning what caused them to be attracted to the Lord, to follow him for a while, and then what caused them to leave him. It's the same today, the same things. The same things that attracted a crowd when he was around will attract a crowd today. The same things that caused that crowd to leave him also causes people to leave churches and to leave the Lord today also. Same subjects, same situations. His following at times increased and grew, and other times his following dwindled and people left him for certain reasons. Those reasons I want to talk about this morning so that we'll understand this, we'll realize this, because whether you realize it or not, you might be part of this crowd. Because crowds are made up of individuals. And so you might be one of these individuals. But John chapter 2, beginning verse 18, where the Lord shows his skepticism here. Of course, the Lord is always right on everything. So if he's skeptical, there's a reason for it. John chapter 2, beginning at verse 18. Then answered the Jews and said unto him, What sign showest thou unto us, seeing that thou doest these things? Now he had just got through cleansing the temple, driving people out of the temple. And they said, Well, what sign do you show? Where do you, where's your authority come from? Now verse 19. Jesus answered and said unto them, Destroy this temple, and three days I will raise it up. Now, what is he referring to? His physical body. The temple of his physical body. But now in verse 20, Then said the Jews, Forty and six years was this temple in building, and wilt thou rear it up in three days? Of course, they misunderstood what he was getting at. Verse 21, But he spake of the temple of his body. When therefore he was risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this unto them, and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had said. Now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover, in the feast day, many believed in his name when they saw the miracles which he did. Again, many believed in his name, that sounds good, when they saw the miracles which he did. Miracles are not faith. We'll talk about that here in just a minute. Now verse 24. But Jesus did not commit himself unto them, not them, because he knew all men, and needed not that any should testify of men, for he knew what was in men the fickle crowd. Some things attracted a crowd. He had a big following. Then something else would happen. Something other matter would come up. And the whole crowd, pretty much the whole crowd would leave him. Uh, Why? Well, that's what I want to answer this morning. Why? What attracts some and what repels them? 
Number one, first of all, they followed him for the food. Turn to John chapter 6 now, verse 3 to 5. They followed him for food. He fed them. John chapter 6, verse 3 says, And Jesus went up into a mountain, and there he sat with his disciples, and the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was nigh. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he saith unto Philip, When shall we buy bread that these may eat? And of course, this is the feeding of the 5,000. But now look at verse 22. Same book, same chapter, John chapter 6, now verse 22. The day following, when the people which stood on the other side of the sea saw that there was none other boat there save the one whereunto his disciples were entered, and that Jesus went not with his disciples into the boat, but that his disciples were gone away alone. In other words, they're looking for Jesus. He fed them. They want to find him. They want to be with him. Now look at, go up to now, if you would, to uh, verse 26. Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Ye seek me, not because ye saw the miracles, but because ye did eat of the loaves and were filled. Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of God shall give unto you. For him hath God the Father sealed. First of all, they sought him for the food because he fed him. He took care of their fleshly needs. We can expand that meaning and that understanding to all our fleshly needs that we have. But first of all, he gained a big crowd. In fact, when they, the next day they came up, they're looking for Jesus. But why are they seeking him? Are they seeking him for the right reasons? No. Are they seeking him for spiritual reasons? No. Uh, they're seeking him because he took care of them. He fed them. He provided for them. And I'm glad the Lord provides for us. But that's not the main reason that we seek him and follow him. Eve. You know, Eve in Genesis there, she was tempted by the serpent. And when she saw that the tree was good, one of the temptations of the three, when she saw that the tree was good for food, then she took of that. Food even can be a temptation, as it was to Eve. But as long as you're being fed, as long as you're being taken care of, uh, that attracted these people. It attracts us today. It might not just be food. It might be money. It might be other things that we need. And we know that God can give them to us. So as long as he's giving us what we need, then we'll follow him. You know, at church here, sometimes we have people call on the phone, and they sometimes they knock on the door, and they want help. And usually what they mean by help is what? <laughs> yeah, money. Usually it's money. Now, sometimes it's food. We've had a few that have asked for some food. Uh, but usually they want money. You know what a question I've started asking them, too? Well, what church do you go to? Uh, that's a revelation. They say, well, I really don't go... I said, well, there's the problem, isn't it? See, if you had a home church and you went to church all the time, then when you had these needs in your life, then that church, because they'd be loving Christians and you'd be a faithful member of the church and you went to the church all the time, the people there would know you. And when you had a need for something in your life, I mean, they'd be the first ones there to help you. But they don't go to church. The main purpose for a church is to reach people with the gospel. There's spiritual reasons for a church. 
That's our priority. But he could attract people with food. Many followed him because he fed them. And the Lord knew that was their reasoning. That was their motive. All right, another thing that will now, where people will leave you, is because of doctrine. Doctrine drives people away. We're in John chapter 6. Now look at verse number 59 in John chapter 6. Again, the picture here, he draws a crowd, then people leave, then he draws a crowd, then people leave. Kind of the way it works here is interesting. Verse 60. Many, therefore, of his disciples, when they heard this, said, This is an hard saying. Who can hear it? What he had just taught, his doctrine, they said, This is an hard saying. Who can hear it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said unto them, Doth this offend you? What and if ye shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? It is the spirit that quickeneth the flesh profiteth nothing. The words I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you that believe not. Now, for Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who should betray him. And he said, Therefore said I unto you that no man can come unto me except there were given unto him of my Father. Now look at verse 66. From that time, Many of his disciples went back and walked no more with them. If you want to thin out a crowd, just start preaching the Bible doctrines. Preaching what the Bible says about things. And that will attract people that are sincere and have the right motives, or that will repel people that aren't right in this area. Uh, One man said this, he said, Life emerges from sound doctrine. Right living is never formed in a truth vacuum. You have to have the right doctrine, the right teaching. Otherwise, you won't have the right living. They say doctrine divides. Yes, it does. It's supposed to. Some people say, I don't believe in doctrine. That's impossible. Everybody believes in doctrine. Different doctrine. But doctrine just means what you believe. Now, doctrine, what? It divides. Doctrine separates. Doctrine reveals. Doctrine sanctifies. Doctrine purifies. Doctrine ingratiates. It means uh, it'll cause you to love the Word of God more. Ingratiates. Doctrine motivates. When you hear what the Bible teaches about certain subjects, it'll motivate you to some kind of action. Doctrine corrects. It corrects you from wrong behavior to right behavior. See, doctrine is a great thing, a wonderful thing. Jesus had his doctrine. This whole Bible right here is a book of doctrines. But the problem is people don't like the doctrines in this Bible. They like their doctrines better. But they do have doctrine. You can't avoid it because doctrine means what you believe. And everybody believes something. Doctrine, doctrine. Number three, they followed him because of the miracles. They like miracles. I wish I could do miracles. We'd advertise. I'd do miracles, whatever it is, the miracle of the week, whatever that would be. Believe me, friends, if I could do miracles, I would do miracles here. And we get the people out. Then I could preach the gospel to them. But God has not chosen to do things that way. 
John chapter number 12, verse 12. On the next day, much people that were come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, he's getting the crowd back again, a lot of people. Verse 13, took branches of palm trees and went forth to meet him and cried, Hosanna, blessed is the king of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. Wonderful time. Look at verse 17 now. The people therefore that was with him when he called Lazarus out of the grave, ooh, they saw the miracle of someone being raised from the dead and raised him from the dead, bear record. For this cause the people also met him. Yeah, for this cause. This is why they were there. Because they heard that this one that raises man from the dead, he's going to be there. They had seen that miracle or heard about that miracle. For this cause the people also met him. For that they heard that he had done this miracle. Miracles attract a crowd. Miracles draw people out. Verse 37, same chapter. But though he had done so many miracles before them, yet they believed not on him. It attracted a crowd, but it was not real scriptural belief. Miracles will attract a crowd, but miracles are not faith. Miracles are sight. Can you believe without seeing something? Absolutely. That's what faith is all about. If you have to see something, you're lacking faith. If you have to experience something, that's not faith. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Just last week, I think it was earlier this week, I had the car radio on to 1220, which is the uh, station we're on. And they had this commercial advertisement, let's say advertisement coming about a new Christian film. Now, you got to beware of Christian films. The Christian film was advertised this way. It said, see it, feel it, trust it. First of all, they said, see it. And immediately I thought of John chapter 20 about doubting Thomas. A blessed are they who have not seen and yet believe. And then they said, feel it. That, oh, here we are, emotions. Emotions, got to feel it, emotions. Where in the Bible does it ever teach to believe something because you feel like it? Where in the Bible does it ever prioritize feelings and emotions for any spiritual direction at all? Where in the Bible does it say anywhere that we're to determine Bible truth by how we feel about it? It's not there. And then that word trust it, that's a strong word to use just for a little movie. Trust it. You know, that word trust, we, we need to trust each other at times. There's, there's that definition of the word there. You need to trust your pastor. I, I need to trust you. But that word trust, when it's used in the Bible, is used in a very strong way. It usually says, trust in the Lord and what he says. Trust in the Lord and his power. Trust in the Lord and his truth. That word trust, I don't think it's to be taken so lightly and to be applied to a little Christian movie. I didn't like that commercial because I don't want to see it. I don't want to feel it. And I don't want to trust it. Beware of Christian films. Miracles, miracles, attractions, things that we're attracted to. But boy, they followed him for the miracles. And the crowd grew and grew. And the Lord tried not to do things and not encourage that. But the crowd grew more and more. He didn't want the crowd around him. But they came. And because he cared about people and he loved them, he healed so many people, did so many miracles. Attracted a crowd. Miracles attract a crowd. 
Number four, a person is popular. John chapter 16, verse 1. Always beware of popular Christian movements. Over the years, now I've been saved 40 years, and there have been a lot of popular Christian movements that have died out. Now the church is still here. Uh, we're going to preach the gospel in season, out of season. We're going to stay steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. When popular things come along, they come along, and they rise to a certain a level of popularity, and then they fizzle away. But the church is here through it all. But popularity. Beware of popular things. People think that uh, if it's popular, it must be right. Popularity is so deceiving. So deceiving. One man was talking about Joel Osteen. He said, you know what about Joel Osteen? He does not preach a false gospel. He preaches no gospel at all. All he preaches is prosperity. He throws in a few Bible verses to make it sound spiritual, but that's all it is. But boy, he's popular. Because it's popular doesn't mean it's right. The Lord knew that too. Beware, but they'll follow him. Uh, if there gets a following for somebody, crowds attract crowds, is the way we say it. Beware of that. Number five, then also they forsook him at his humbling and his death. Now let's read John chapter 16, verse 1. These things have I spoken unto you that you should not be offended. They shall put you out of the synagogues. And it gets worse. Yea, the time cometh that whosoever killeth you, that's what he said, killeth you, will think he doeth God's service. And these things will they do unto you because they have not known the Father nor me. Wow. They're going to kill people thinking they're serving Jesus Christ by murdering people. Is it going to get that bad? It has. Over the centuries, you can read about some of the Christian movements in church history where they actually killed people more than you ever would imagine. Unbelievable. And yet it went on. And he said that. The Lord said that too. At the time of his humbling and his death, the apostle Peter said, Though all men might deny you, I will never. I'll die first, Peter said. And it wasn't just but a couple hours after that. He denied him three times with an oath. The fickleness of his disciples. The fickleness of a crowd. They forsook him at his humbling and his death. He tried to tell them ahead of time. He told them this would happen. And still when it did happen, they did not remember. And they were offended and they left him. The Apostle Paul also was in a state where he was in jail. Philippians chapter 1 verse 12. says, but I would, ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me, meaning Paul, have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. Now where was Paul? He was in jail. Look at verse 13. So that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. And many of the brethren in the Lord, now here's the best part, many of the brethren in the Lord waxing confident by my bonds. Because I'm in jail, it caused other Christians to get more bold in their preaching and their witnessing. It had a good effect. Are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Wonderful, wonderful. A time of humbling, a time of death. Many times people do leave. When Christ died for our sins, even the disciples, the apostles, they all left him. I, I find it so curious that there were a few 
that understood it. One was a Roman soldier. You talk about faith. He, this Roman soldier believed on Jesus Christ as he was watching him die. That's fantastic. That's unbelievable. And that's why when he said when Christ finally died, what did that Roman soldier say? Behold, this was the Son of God. He believed watching Jesus Christ die. Wow. Wow. The time of humbling, though, everybody else left. Peter, where are you? Apostles, disciples, where are you? Gone. Gone. See, this time of humbling, when things go contrary to popularity and contrary to the, uh, the good things, the nice things, when it gets rough, it thins out the crowd, doesn't it? And then lastly, they fled from him when they were offended in Jesus Christ. They were offended in these things. What is being offended? It means your pride's been hurt. Friends, you have to understand, being a Christian is a humbling thing. It'll not raise you up in your pride and glory and ego. It's not going to do that. That's not biblical Christianity. Our leader, our God, our Savior, our Lord, look at how he humbled himself. Look what he allowed himself to go through for our sins. See, look to Jesus Christ. He is our example. And Jesus Christ said, they hated me, and they will hate you. Now, I thank the Lord we live in a nation right now, for a while at least, things are smooth. You don't, there's no persecution of Christians in America today. There are in many other parts of the world. But the Christian, persecution we take in America is very, very little. Nobody's being imprisoned for being a Christian. Nobody's being killed for being a Christian today. So we have it good in America today, really. We have it easy. But when the time comes, if it does come in America, they get a little rougher, will we stay with it? The fickle crowd. Some things attract people to build a crowd, even a church. Some things will drive people away from a crowd or a church or a teaching. The fickle crowd. One day, people can love you and follow you. The next day, they can disagree and leave you. Wow. What a way to live, but that's the way it is. So let me, let's personalize it this morning, because it's the same reaction today. Followed him for food, followed him for the miracles, followed him because it was popular. But what about when the doctrine comes up that you don't like and don't agree with? What about when there's a humbling and a time of persecution because you take a stand for the Lord? What about when you're offended, personally offended, because you're convicted about something yourself? Will you continue to follow him, or will that cause you to leave him also? The fickle crowd is made up of fickle individuals. And where are we today? Heavenly Father, as we come to you in prayer this morning, thank you, Lord, for the good examples in the Bible, like the Apostle Paul and like so many others that took a stand when it was difficult and stayed faithful in hard times. Thank you for their kind of examples. And I pray we will determine in ourselves to take the same kind of stand. And for those, Lord, that have kind of come and gone, I pray that you'll continue to convict them and show them your truth. So Lord, bless the invitation. Please meet spiritual needs this morning. May the Lord be honored through it all. May souls be drawn to him for Christians for a closer walk and for those who are not Christians for salvation. 
For it is in Jesus' name we ask it. Amen.